As we've been studying through the book of John, I'm going to keep quoting a scripture verse to you because I don't want you to forget the theme of this book. John 20, 31 says this, But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And so as we study this passage of Scripture this morning, as we look at it, I hope we're challenged by it, and to be challenged further in our belief in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, and Jesus Christ is just a name that you hear people use sometimes in passing, without even really thinking about who Jesus truly is. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been to church, you know about Jesus, you know what He's done, and you know the stories about Him, but you don't truly believe that what He did matters for you. But this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want us to be challenged about our belief in Jesus Christ. And challenged with this idea particularly that Jesus is more than enough. Many times in my life, I'd say I'd be happy if I just had enough. And I don't feel like I have enough. You fill in the blank, right? I didn't get enough sleep last night. Or I didn't get enough for breakfast today. Or I didn't get enough vacation time. Or I don't have enough money to do whatever it is that I want to do. Oftentimes, we don't feel like we have enough. But as we understand Jesus and what He's done for us, we can see from His Word that Jesus truly is more than enough. Let's read this passage of Scripture together. Again, I'll read out loud. You follow along. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. We have two different names of the same body of water there. This is a very large body of water if you were to go visit this. Body of water so large that when storms come up, it can turn it into a very dangerous place. And this is the same body of water that later in this same chapter, Jesus walks on the water. And we'll be looking at that here in the coming weeks. But this Sea of Tiberias and the great multitude followed Him because they saw His miracles which he did on them that were diseased. Now, up to this point in the book of John, we've looked at two miracles. Do you remember what they were? The miracle of turning the water into wine, right? John chapter 2. And then the miracle when Jesus healed the man's son who was sick, nigh unto death. But we know there were other miracles that Jesus had been doing. He'd been healing people, taking care of people. And so during this time, Jesus had, had amassed quite a following. Lots of people were following him to see what he would do, and maybe to get help for themselves. And verse 3 says, And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He asks Philip a question, right? Where can we go buy bread so that these people can eat? Now, there's probably not a parenthesis in your Bible, but this next verse is not a quotation of Jesus, but rather the written down version of what Jesus was thinking when he asked this question. So notice this next verse, verse 6, very carefully. It says, And this he said to prove him. 
for he himself knew what he would do. It's kind of interesting when you consider the question that Jesus asked. Where can we go to buy bread for all of these people? And you might say, but wait a minute, I thought Jesus knew everything. Why is he asking Philip this question? Well, aren't you thankful that God's Word explains itself? God's Word gives us the answers to the questions about God that we may have. God's Word gives us all the information that we need to be able to believe in God, believe in Jesus Christ, and follow Him. And so verse 6 explains it very well for us. This he said to prove Him. To prove something is to test it, right? To see if it would hold up, to see if it's strong. He, he wanted to prove Philip. He wanted to make Philip think and to search his own heart. Jesus knew what he would do. Jesus knows everything. But sometimes when Jesus leaves us in a place in our lives where we feel like we're full of questions, it's not because God doesn't have the answer. It's because he wants to prove us to see what we're really made of. He knows, but he wants us to know. Because the reality is this, folks. We often feel somewhat good about ourselves, or at least like we're trying, right? And we don't really know how strong we are until we go through a difficult test, right? If you're working out and trying to build big muscles, like me, no, I'm just kidding, but if you were, you would put weight, right, on a bar or on a bench or something, and you would push against that weight, and you would push more and more weight until... You could no longer push any more weight, and that would be the test of how strong you were, right? How much weight you could pick up, how much you could move. If you're trying to run fast, right, you would get a stopwatch out, and you would run as fast as you can, and you would have somebody time you, and when you completed that race, you would see how fast you ran, and you would measure that up to previous times that you had run. Or like some people, you know, with these like eating competitions, maybe the, how many hot dogs you can eat, or whatever it is. There's all kinds of tests in life, but folks, those are sometimes very frivolous tests, but we know there's very serious tests in life too. And sometimes we face a question, and we feel like even God is asking us a question as Jesus, God in human flesh, asked Philip this question, where can we go to find food to feed all of these people? But Jesus was asking him to prove him. Because Jesus knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. There's thousands of people here, folks. There's thousands of people that need to be fed. And when Philip is asked this question, he goes and he pulls out his spreadsheet, right? And he looks at the budget and, and he says, 200 penny worth of bread is not enough. Now you say, that sounds like $2. That's not very much. But a penny in this time was equivalent to a day's wage. So take what you earn in 200 days of the year. And that's what he's saying was not enough money to buy bread for all of the people that were there. That tells you how many people were there. This is in today's modern money. This is equivalent to thousands and thousands of dollars, right? And he's saying there's not enough money to make this happen. And isn't this how we often respond when God asks us for something? We say, but God, I don't have enough, right? 
Remember, Jesus is more than enough. And he's going to prove himself to be more than enough. Philip says, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for, whatever, for them, that every one of them may take a little. But it says in verse 8, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? We can see several different responses here, right, to Jesus' question. We see Jesus' question. He is asking, how are we going to feed these people? He's trying to test his disciples. Philip responds by trying to figure it out, right? Philip says, I've got to have all the answers. I've got to come up with all the provision. But Philip says, we don't have enough. Andrew, on the other hand, says, well, I don't think this is enough, but here's at least a little boy. And he has a lunch with five barley loaves and two fishes. Not very much compared with all the thousands of people that needed to be fed. And of course, then that brings us to the little boy, right? Here's a little boy who says, here's my lunch, you can have it. What it is. The master needs to eat. The master is asking for food to feed the people. Here you go. You can have everything that I have. This childlike faith of this little boy. This is a boy that has childlike faith. I wouldn't say it's a childish faith, right? Not immature in that sense, but a faith that says, Here, God, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but here's everything. You take it. You use it. It's yours. And verse 10 says, And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. That was common in this day when they would number groups of people just to count the men. But we also know that there were women and children in this group. So we have 5,000 men. This could have been 10, 15, 20,000 people. This is a lot of people following Jesus. It's pretty interesting, isn't it, that you have thousands and thousands of people following Jesus. There was no modern communication at that time. They didn't call each other on the phone. Nobody turned on Channel 2 News to see, hey, Jesus is going to be healing and doing miracles over here. We should all go see it. This was word of mouth, right? People are spreading the news. This was miraculous. Something is happening that people have never seen before. And so they've all come to see Jesus. And Jesus says, have the men sit down. And then in verse 11, Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. See what Jesus did? He gave thanks, right? He was thankful for what he had. We often look at our lives and say, I don't have enough. The example that Jesus set for us is to be thankful with what we have. And then Jesus began to distribute it out. And isn't it wonderful that those same disciples that did not have faith and instead looked at how much money that they would need, Jesus used those disciples to then distribute the bread. Aren't you thankful that God uses us even when we have little faith? And he used these disciples to distribute the food to all of the people. And he says they distributed out the fishes. And you notice the last part of verse 11, as much as they would. 
the people were able to eat as much as they wanted to eat. Jesus is more than enough. He took a little amount and he made it enough to feed everybody and more than enough because verse 12 says, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. And even after there was more than enough, Jesus here is a good example to us of stewardship. He said, gather up all that's left so that nothing is lost. See, even though Jesus is more than enough, and when he blesses us with abundance, Jesus gives us an example of carefully using what's left, right? He didn't waste it. He said, ah, just throw that away. It's trash. We don't need it now. It's extra. No, he said, gather up the extra so that nothing would be lost. And then it says in verse 13, Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Now, we don't know what happened to those twelve baskets. The Bible doesn't tell us. Maybe they sent that little boy home with people helping him to carry the twelve baskets back to his home. I don't know. But I think it is interesting that the number 12 is used because we know there were 12 disciples. So maybe Jesus wanted to teach his disciples a lesson because they didn't have enough faith to feed all the people. Now they had to carry a big basket of bread around for a while to be reminded of how much God could provide. There was enough. There was more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. Verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. Jesus takes a little boy's lunch, an insignificant amount, and he turns it into more than enough. How does he do this? Well, he's God. And God can do anything because God is more than enough. Our problem is many times we don't trust him to do the work. We're like Philip. God, I know you've given me a command. You've told me to obey your word, but God, I can't do it. It's more than I can do. God, you've asked me to give this up in my life, but I cannot give that up. It's too important to me. God, you've told me to add this into my life, to be faithful in church or to give in the offering or to serve in the, in the community. God, I can't do that. That's outside of what I'm able to do. And we can be like Philip and say, we just don't have enough. Or we could be like that little boy who says, God, I don't have much, but what I have, it's yours. You can have it all, and you use it however you want. And I'm going to give you all of it. See, folks, yesterday's faith is, it doesn't work for today. You, you can't take what, you did yesterday and have that faith today. It requires new faith each day, doesn't it? I've got to trust God today for what I have. God was teaching the children of Israel this way back in the Old Testament when they were wandering in the wilderness, remember? And God fed them every day with manna, bread from heaven, right? And do you remember some of the rules He placed around the manna? He said, you can go out each morning and gather it. But once the dew dries it will be gone. 
He also said, only gather enough for that day. Because if you try to gather extra, it's going to spoil. But he said, on Friday, before the Sabbath day, you gather double amount, double portion, and it will last through the Sabbath day. And the Bible says it's interesting because here Jesus is trying to prove Philip, right? And Philip's faith. And back in that passage of Scripture there in the Old Testament, this, a similar word is used as God was testing His people. And He said whether they would follow in His law or no. See, God will ask us to do things. He will tell us to do things in His Word. And sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. Sometimes it seems impossible. Sometimes it's beyond our ability. And that's a good thing. It's to help you realize you can't do it and you need Him. Folks, if we're honest about our lives, there are many things that are beyond our capability. God's given my wife and I five children to raise. How can we ever raise them in this world that we live in? You know, some people's response, well, we just won't have kids because this world's too bad. That's a possible response, but folks, that's a response of fear. To look at the situation and say, well, we just don't have enough. We can't do it. And that's one reason starting next Sunday night, a week from tonight, we're going to have a, a class on parenting, Bible study together as we look at God's Word because it has the answers. We don't have to parent out of fear. We can parent out of faith in God and His Word. He has the answers. I mean, we are celebrating Memorial Day this weekend. We're remembering these soldiers that gave their lives. Think about how impossible it is for those soldiers to do what they're asked to do sometimes. To go out into the field of battle and stand there and try to fight off an enemy that's shooting at them and trying to do whatever they can to take them out. How do they have the courage to do that? Well, a good soldier's faith is not in just himself, is it? It's, it's in his team. It's in his friends that have his back, that are fighting alongside of him. It's in the intelligence that is giving them the good information to get where they need to go. But no matter how good the army is, it's not as good as God. Jesus is more than enough. Yesterday's faith doesn't work for today. This is why Jesus, when... He gave us the example prayer, the Lord's Prayer as we know it. He said, give us this day our daily bread. See, we want, give us this day tomorrow's bread, right? But he says, no, give us this day our daily bread. God provides what you need today for today. Now, He may provide for something in the future, but there's no guarantee of it, perhaps. He provides what you need right now. But see, we struggle in our faith because we can't see how we're going to do it tomorrow and the next day and a year from now and five years from now. We like to have everything planned out because the reality is, folks, we want to live by sight and not by faith. But the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith and that without faith it's impossible to please Him. And so to live by faith means to not live by sight. Now, God gives us the ability to make decisions and do things, and we're going to look at some very important principles 
that Jesus demonstrates for us when it comes to stewarding what God gives us. But we must learn to live by faith. Jesus is able to provide our daily bread. We can see from this passage, Jesus provides not just our spiritual needs, but also our physical needs. And so this morning, if you have a physical need, it's okay to ask God to provide it. If you don't have enough food, it's okay to ask God to provide food. If you are sick, it's okay to ask God to heal your body because He cares about our physical needs. He is a personal Savior. He cares about our spiritual needs and our physical needs. As the folks were gathered there, they sat down and Jesus through His work and through this miracle, taught them a very important lesson about being more than enough. I want us to look together this morning at seven different principles that we can see from this passage that Jesus is more than enough. First one is this. Be thankful for what you have. Jesus, when He was given the little boy's lunch, He gave thanks. Now, this little boy's lunch, it's bread and fish, right? This isn't a fancy lunch. It's probably an equivalent to your peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a banana, right? It's just, it's your lunch. It's nothing fancy. It's nothing special. It's a simple lunch, but you can be thankful, can't you? That's why, as Christians, I believe it's important that we give thanks every time we eat. Why? Because Jesus did it. And we're following in his example. The other night, my family and I were out at a restaurant, and, and even at a restaurant in a public place, it's okay, we stop, we hold hands, we bow our heads, and we pray and we thank God for our food. Why? Because it's important. And if somebody else doesn't like it, they'll get over it. Let's be thankful. We're not out making a show and yelling or anything. We're just at our table, bowing our heads and thanking the Lord. That's a good thing. Parents, teach your children how to be thankful. Because you all know it, children are not naturally thankful. This morning I went to go pick up the donuts, and I'm standing there with Caden. It was Caden and I, I had my helper this morning, and we're standing there in Shipley's while they make them up because I try to get the hot ones, and so we're waiting while they make it. And in the door comes this man, and he has four teenage boys in tow. He walks up to the door, he grabs the door, he Stands and opens it, and all four teenage boys just kind of walk in. And he's standing there, and he looks at me, and he goes, why am I standing here holding this door? <laughs> he go, and I said, and I bet you're about to buy all the donuts, too. And he said, yeah, something's wrong here. Something's backwards. And, and he said, none of them even said thank you. And they all kind of look sheepish, you know. It's okay, children. We know that you're not naturally thankful. We aren't either. But it's important to learn to be thankful to show gratitude. If you're not a thankful person, it's probably because you have an entitlement mentality. You think, well, I deserve this. This is mine. Somebody's taking care of me because this is what I get. No. If, it, if we're honest, all we deserve according to Scripture is death and hell. Let's be thankful for even the little things. Be thankful. If you're having a bad day, learn to be thankful for what God has given you. Look around you and say, 
yeah, I'm having a bad day. Stuff's falling apart. Things are not good. Maybe you had a car wreck. Maybe you heard some bad news from a family member. Maybe something bad happened at work. Well, what can I be thankful for? I just took a breath in. God gave us oxygen. Thank you, Lord. I, oh, I can still walk. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I can go home and, and I can find something to eat. It may not be much. It might be a barley loaf and a fish, but I got something to eat. Thank you, Lord. See, we look at all the things that we don't have, like Philip did, right? We don't have enough money. Even all this money still wouldn't be enough, but God, what have you given me? No, I, I don't have enough to move into the bigger house that I want to move in, but I do have a place to sleep at night. It's maybe not everything, right? Might be an air mattress, right, Sean? But it's a place, and I can be thankful for it. I'm not making fun of Sean because he is sleeping on an air mattress right now. But he's working hard, and God gave him a job, and we're thankful for that. We can be thankful for the little things. Let me ask you this question this morning. How much is enough, right? We're often unthankful because we just want more. Well, how much is going to be enough? The reality is, as soon as we get whatever it is we're looking for, there's going to be something else that we want. It's never enough. Because the problem is not the stuff. The problem is with your soul. It's, it's not about the amount of stuff. It's about the problem inside of you. The unthankfulness and lack of gratitude. If you're a person that's discontented with what God provides, you'll be incapable of rejoicing in God's provision in someone else's life, right? That may be you this morning. Someone else is getting blessed and you're not, and you're frustrated about it. Well, why did they get that and not me? Be thankful with what you have because God gives you what you need. And Jesus is more than enough Coveting is sinning, and it's motivated by discontentedness, right? The way we fight against this is thankfulness. When you're looking at someone else, say, I wish I had their life. I wish I had their car. I wish I had their job. I wish my life worked out like their life. I wish... That's covetousness. Fight against that by being thankful it's not about having more. It's about learning to enjoy more what you already have. Because he's given you enough. Because he says in his word, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. The devil's very good at putting things in front of us to tempt us though and test us and say, well, but you're not really happy now and you would be happy if you had this. Kind of sounds familiar to what he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, didn't it? What? You, you can't eat of this one tree? God's trying to hold back on you? He says, God knows if you eat of that tree, you're going to become like Him. You're going to become like God's and you're going to know the difference between good and evil. He used and tempted her and brought up that discontentment that was in her heart and the lack of gratitude that was there. And she took and she ate of the fruit that God had told her not to eat of. 
Discontentment leads to sin. Be thankful for what you have. Secondly, God does care about your physical and spiritual needs. Jesus is there to teach these people. He wants to be able to preach to them. But He cares about their physical needs too, right? He looks out and He realizes these people need spiritual help, but they're hungry right now. Let's feed them. And church, thank you for being a church even yesterday that said, yes, we have a bunch of people in here. And if you weren't here yesterday, this room was packed out. We added chairs in the front and chairs in the back. And, and we had this place full of people for the funeral yesterday for Angela Boyd. And then afterwards, many of our church people stayed and helped to feed them. They have a spiritual struggle, don't they? They're dealing with the loss of life. That's a difficult thing. But they also have physical needs, and we can feed them a meal because God cares about physical needs too. And I'm thankful for a church that tries to meet the physical needs of others as well as the spiritual needs. And that's why we could recognize these ladies up here this morning that have been involved in trying to teach and train somebody else and see these other ladies growing in the Lord. And many of you are working on that process as well because it's important. Jesus cares about our physical and our spiritual needs. Number three, God can multiply what you give. Right? That little boy... He was so insignificant, the amount of lunch that he brought was so insufficient. But Jesus took it and multiplied it. See, when we look at things like Philip did, we just look at the reality of what we have and we say it's not enough. Jesus wants us to give him what we have and he'll take it and multiply it and make it more than enough. Folks, if you're looking at a situation right now and you don't have enough, the answer is this. Give the Lord everything that you do have and let Him make it enough, more than enough. Say, how did He do this? Was it a magic trick? No, He's God. And He just took bread and He made it into more bread. You know, the reality is, Folks, Jesus didn't even need bread to multiply it into more bread because Jesus could have taken the rocks on the ground and turned them into bread if He wanted to. Jesus doesn't need what you have because He already has enough. But when you will take what little you have and give it to Him, you get to be part of the blessing as He uses what you have and multiplies it into enough and more than enough to bless others and to bless you. But we go around holding on to what we have and saying, God, you're asking this from me, but I, I'm not going to give it because I don't have enough. And if I give you this, I'm not going to have enough for me. And I'm going to take care of me. Let Jesus take care of you. Folks, it's a lot better to live by faith. It feels scary, the first step, because you don't know where your foot's going to land. But if you're walking with the Lord in obedience to His Word, and doing what He tells you to do, you can trust that He's going to be there to carry you through. He's not talking about foolishness, about walking off into things, but when God asks us to do something, He always makes a way to get it done. His grace is sufficient. 
But we look at the things in God's Word and we don't obey them. We don't follow through on them because we look at our budget or our situation or our talents or our abilities and we say, they're not enough. God can take what you have and multiply it and make it enough. But you've got to give it to Him, right? That means taking your hands off of it, saying, I'm not in control. God's in control. It's His. He can use it. God, I'm not much, but here I am. Use me. Send me. Take whatever I have, Lord, it's yours. I, ha I have a house. God, it's your house. If you want me to use that house in some ways to serve people or minister to people, I'll do it. It's yours, Lord. God, I, I have a car. It's not much of a car, but it drives. Lord, it's yours. God, I, I have some talent and ability. I don't even know how it could be used, but God... If you can use it, it's yours. It's all yours. God, I have some money, and you know how little it is. Or Lord, you know how much it is. But God, in light of everything that needs to be done, how could it ever be done? Give it to the Lord. When we moved down here to start the church a little over a year and a half ago, there was a sweet lady in our church back in Indiana, and she came to me and she said, Pastor Will, we're so excited that you're going to Houston to plant a church and that our church is sending you down there to start the church. But she said, how can our little church up here start a church down there? I said, God can. Just give what, what you can give and do the best that you can do and trust God and He'll multiply it. And folks, He has. You're part of that multiplication. Thank you for being part of that multiplication effort on God's behalf. And you didn't even know that was happening in your life, right? You, you came because somebody invited you or you came because you got an invitation or read something in the paper or saw something on Facebook or whatever. You're here this morning. But see, you are part of God's multiplication efforts from some sweet ladies and men in a little church in a small town in Indiana, right? God's ways are way better than our ways. And I realize you all have different reasons that you're here this morning, but I want you to know, you're not doing anything that surprised God. And God can move in so many different ways. God can multiply what you give. And it kind of bleeds into this next point, number four. God does big things with little things, doesn't He? He, he can take little things like five loaves and two fishes and feed thousands of people. So if you're here this morning and you say, what I have isn't very much, it's just a little bit, give it to the Lord and let Him do with it as He sees fit. Because He can do big things with little things. There's a song that we sing sometimes. It's kind of an old song. It goes like this. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Little is much when God is in it. God can do big things with little things. You say, really? How did God kill Goliath with a little boy named David and one stone slung out of a sling that just so happened to hit the one little spot where he didn't have armor and knock him down? 
God can do big things with little things. How about a young woman, a young virgin woman from a really a no-name town, small little place that was not very significant, but she gave birth to our Savior. God can do big things with little things. We go on and on and on through the pages of Scripture thinking about all the big things that God did with little things. And God will do big things with your little things if you'll give it to Him. This story talks about a little boy. Parents, we need to encourage our children to give of themselves and of what they have, even if it's really little, even when they're young. I'm thankful for even our children as in junior church, they'll take up an offering this morning. And sometimes the children give an offering in here. That's a blessing. You're teaching your children how to give. They may not have much to give right now, but that's not what matters. What matters is that they give. I was so encouraged this week. We got a letter in the mail, and somebody that had just begun to visit our church sent in a check and a little gift. And I told Billy and Lisa as we were opening the mail together, I said, this is such a blessing. It's not the amount that really matters. It's the fact that they wanted to give. That's thankfulness. Give as God blesses you and let God take and multiply it because God can do big things with little things. And then seek to be a steward. Try to steward well. Seek to steward what God has given you. But what it means to be a steward is to be a manager of something, right? It, I don't know that anybody in here is a financial planner, right? But maybe some of you work with a financial planner. Maybe you have somebody helping you with something for retirement or something of that nature. Now, wouldn't it be strange if you went into your retirement planner and he looked at your portfolio, as small or as large as it is, and he or she would, were to say, okay, this looks good, and you give them some directives on how you want them to manage it for you, and then you leave, and you come back a few months later, and, and you say, I want to see my account, and they say, well, there's nothing left. You say, wait a minute, what happened? Well, you know, I invested in this, and I did this. That's not what I told you to do. Well, you know, I just took care of it. You say, it wasn't yours. You have to do what I tell you to do because you're there to it's not your money. You manage the money. God has given to us and he wants us to steward, manage what he's given us well. There's three different perspectives that you can take about your stuff. The first perspective is this, what's mine is mine, right? And that's where a lot of people live. What's mine is mine. Folks, that's selfishness. What's mine is mine, and you can't have that selfishness. Some people, they look at their stuff and they say, what, what's yours is mine? <laughs> That's stealing, okay? <laughs> and, and that's an entitlement mentality, too, that some people have. Well, it's yours, it's mine. No. 
I deserve that. But the third perspective is this, and I think this is the scriptural perspective. What's mine is his. And that's stewardship. Because the Bible tells us very simply, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If you have it this morning, it's because God gave it to you. And if you don't have it this morning, it's because God didn't choose to give it to you. We often quote this when at funerals, but I think it holds true in all areas of our life. The Lord gives and, and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's all from Him. You say, but you don't understand. I worked hard for that. Who gave you the ability to work? Why, well, I studied hard in school. Who gave you the mental capacity to study? It's all His. And our problem comes because we look at it either with the mentality of what's mine is mine. No, it's not. Or what's yours is mine. No, it's really not. Instead of saying what's mine is the Lord's. Because it really wasn't even mine in the first place. It was His to start with. What's His? He's allowed me to steward. And if God's given you a lot to steward, manage it well. If he's given you just a little bit to steward, manage it well. Again, thinking of that financial planner. What financial planners have the opportunity to take care of more and more money over time? It's the ones that do a good job with it, right? The ones who manage it well. If there's somebody who manages retirement portfolios well and helps the people, his clients, to earn more money with their portfolios, he or she will often get the opportunity to manage more and more money over time. But if they don't do a good job with it, what happens? Well, they either get less and less or they lose their job entirely, right? And we're no different when it comes to the stuff that God has given us. If you want more, there's no guarantee that God will give you more, but be faithful with what you have. Well, I'll start giving more when God gives me more. No. He's told you to be faithful with what you have. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. Be faithful in the little things. We are working with our children, even on their giving, right? When they earn a dollar, they get a little money for their birthday, they, they set aside a little portion that, they want, that they're going to give back to the Lord because they realize it's all God's. And they're just giving back to Him. I'm thankful that I was taught the same thing because I didn't have to just start cold turkey one day giving to the Lord. I just kind of grew into it. I was doing it when I would get a dime and have to pull out a penny and then a dollar and then $10. And then when you have $1,000, it just makes sense to... Give a portion of that to the Lord. But see, if you're sitting here this morning go, why is he talking about money? See, you're in that first perspective. What's mine is mine, right? No, and it's not mine either. It's his, okay? Folks, I'm not trying to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings this morning, but Jesus clearly gives us an example of how we are to take care of what God entrusts us with. And we need to be faithful and seek to be a steward. 
Does Jesus have the attitude of the steward? Absolutely. We already talked about it earlier, but when they were done eating and they'd had enough, he didn't say, well, just throw it on the ground. He said, no, gather up what's left so that nothing goes to waste. Folks, when God blesses us with a little, we're going to be faithful with the little that he gives us. When he blesses us with a lot, we want to be faithful with a lot and give back as he blesses us. I, I think about the, uh, what happened in our church after Hurricane Harvey. I remember thinking to myself, well, we didn't flood, so let's help some other people who did. And So I put a little post on Facebook and said, hey, we're trying to raise some money to help some other churches that flooded and, and maybe help some other people. And, and I thought, I remember having a conversation with Josh Tanner about this. We thought, maybe we'll have a couple thousand dollars come in, maybe... $4,000. I mean, the church at that point would have fit in the front three rows here. So it, it was very small. Ruth knows she was here. And uh, Linda was here, I think. And a few people, very few people anyway. And so we put that out there. And within a few days, we quickly surpassed that number. And so we said, well, we'll just keep giving. And it just snowballed and snowballed. We ended up, folks, now that there was over $100,000 that came through our church from people giving to support hurricane relief. I don't know where all that money came from. I mean, yeah, we were cashing checks, but I don't know who was writing all those checks. I know it came from God. I, humanly speaking, I don't know where it all came from, but I know it came from Him. We just tried to be faithful with what little bit we had, and God did choose to bless us with more. We tried to be faithful with that, and God blessed us with more and more. That service that we had here yesterday is part of the result of that. We would have never met that family had it not been for Hurricane Harvey and the opportunity that God gave us to serve through that. God doesn't always work the same way in every situation. He's God. He can do what He wants. But if we'll be faithful with the little bit that He gives us, God will continue to bless us and take care of our needs. I was thinking back even this week. You know, I don't know if you remember this, Josh and Anna, but today, a year ago today, is when we first met you. It was Memorial Weekend. You came Sunday morning and we were in the room over there. And then Josh and I, and another friend had breakfast on Monday, and that was the first time, and didn't know if we'd ever see you again. And, and now they're here faithfully serving in our church and a blessing to all of us. We just try to take what God gives us and be faithful with it, and let God turn it into what He wants to turn it into. We have people come by here on a regular basis, and we try to help them, pray with them, encourage them, I've filled up a few tanks of gas for people or whatever they need and send them on their way. You know what? Almost every one of them says, oh, pastor, we'll see you at Sunday on Sunday for church. You know what? A lot of them never come Sunday for church. But I was encouraged this week at a man stopped by and his wife. And I got to talk with him. And he's not here this morning. But you know why he came? Because his brother has been coming here. And God's been working in his brother's life. And his brother told him, said, if you go over to that church, they can encourage you. They can help you. That's a blessing. That's just taking what little we have and trying to serve people. 
not expecting some great outcome for us. It's not about us. But just being faithful with what God has given to us and trusting that he's doing the work that he wants to do. God gave, us, gave me personally several opportunities to witness to people this week as a result of helping people in the past and now getting to meet some of those people again. I had two men come by here on, I don't remember what day it was, Justin, maybe on Thursday or something, and they wanted to see in around here. They've come in the months past, haven't seen them in a long time, and they came by and they said, wow, look at all this. It looks a lot different. Last time they were here, I don't even think we had the pews in here. It was a long time ago, like 10 months ago, you know, a long time in our church history. <laughs> when your church history is just barely over a year long, 10 months ago is a long time, okay? But isn't it exciting to be able to share, even with them, how God is blessed? See, God loves to take little things and use them to do big things. Start your generosity young. This little boy gave his lunch. This is number six in your outline. Start your generosity young. I mean, ask yourself, where were the men, right? Why wasn't Philip stepping up or Andrew stepping up or anybody else? Start young. And then finally this. I know we've taken a while this morning, but this is a wonderful passage. Number seven. Giving is a blessing. It's a blessing. Don't give so that you can get. The Bible says it this way. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The blessing is the giving. It is. And if something more comes out of it, that's just God giving the, the opportunity to give more. The blessing is the giving. Often people try to treat God like this is some sort of negotiation, right? God, I'll give you this, and then you give me that. God, I'll give you my money, and you give me a job. God, I'll give you this, and, and you take care of me. God, I'll pay my tithe, and God, you heal my grandma, right? It's sort of this give and take. The, that's not how giving works. I'm not, inviting, I'm not inviting you to my birthday party so that you give me a gift. So then now I'm obligated to give you a gift. That's not how giving works. If you want to give me a gift, give me a gift, right? Don't feel obligated to do it. And if you give me a gift, I don't feel like, well, now i got to turn around. How much was that gift? Let me, let me pay you. It's not a gift, right? When we... Give it back to the Lord. Give it back to the Lord. The blessing is in the giving. I mean, think about it. Christmas this past year. Children, teenagers. Did you go to the Christmas tree and, and you sit there and you're all excited to open your presents and your grandmother walks in and says, hurry up and open your stuff. I can't wait to open mine. No. Why? Grandma was excited just to sit there and watch you open your stuff. Because she probably gave a lot of that to you. Because she gets the joy of giving, right? The blessing is in the giving. And as we give to the Lord, we are blessed. And then in the final verse, verse 14, it says that 
They, the men, they saw him, and when they saw the miracle that Jesus did, they said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. They were referring back to a passage in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, where this prophet was promised. And then it says in the next verse, in verse 15, that Jesus understood that they were going to try to take him by force and make him to be king. Because they thought, wow, we want this guy king. He feeds everybody. They, they were all excited about what Jesus could do for them. Folks, Jesus wants us to love him, not just what he can do for us. A lot of people are more about how can Jesus benefit my cause and what I want, and they put the name of Jesus on all kinds of stuff. Jesus is less concerned about your cause, whatever's important to you, and he's more concerned that you see him as Christ, the Savior of the world. Jesus is not somebody that we can manipulate by giving a certain way and we can twist Him and, and utilize Him and here's the formula. If you give this, 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 and if you do these things, then God's just going to have to bless you. No, Jesus, we don't get to force Him to be our King in our way. No, He is King. And He wants us to give because the blessing is in the giving. What will your response be? you be like, Philip, Lord, you've asked me to give, but I can't. Even if I had all this, it still wouldn't be enough. Andrew's response wasn't quite so bad. He at least said, well, Lord, here's the resources, but it's not very much. I hope you'd be like the little boy. Say, God, here it is. It's all yours. Use it. Let's be faithful. And let's see what God does. If He could take a little lunch and turn it into enough food to feed thousands of people, what could He do with you?